Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Well, it is so good to be back in Australia. Can we stand to our feet and pray? I know we've been doing it for, you know, we feel like, feel like we're doing the ups and downs, but... And, uh, but before you pray, you need to do something for me. Because I've been living with all these Americans, and they're lovely people, but they don't know how to speak English. And, uh, and they correct me all the time. And so I say g'day to them. And uh, to be honest, they just look at me blankly when I say that. And, uh, and so I would wonder whether you would just say g'day for me, all right? So just, that's, is that all right? All right, so after three, one, two, three. Oh, it makes me feel warm. Oh, I feel like I'm at home. Oh, praise God. I mean, with real people. Let me pray. Father, Lord, we are just so mindful of your presence. We are so thankful for your salvation, for your power, for, for you who took us, a people who did not have a future, did not have a hope. And Lord, you stepped into our reality and you opened up our, our eyes so that we can see with, about a future and about our hope that you do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ever ask, hope or think. And this morning as we gather around your word, may it be that your word becomes life and alive within us, that it would begin to turn the lights on to a whole new dimension. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said together, yeah. amen. Please be seated. Oh, it's great. There's so much faith in the room. You know, your pastors are known by everybody. Like he's just telling me all the people he know. I'm like, how have I never really met him for like 20, 30 years? Like he's been in our world. He knows more people than I've ever known in my life. And he talks about all the people that, that I've heard of and know of and people I've met, people I haven't met, people I don't want to meet. And, and um and it, it, it's just such a great honor to be here with you this morning. And, uh, you know, there's faith in the room. Uh, you know, you can't always say that about every place you're in. But there's incredible faith in the room this morning. And, and you know, when you come with faith... It's an attractive thing. The Holy Ghost can't resist faith. When you turn up in faith, oh, God turns up. When you turn up in faith, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, later on. But today, that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. That's not what we're going to talk about. But when you come to, with, to church with faith, incredible things can happen. Not just for you, but for everybody else. Not just for you, but also for this city. Not only just for you, but for your neighbours, your family, your friends, even your enemies. When you turn up with faith, God can do something amazing in the midst. You know, they said of Jesus when he went around, he could do no work because they did not have faith. In other words, they didn't recognise who he was. They didn't believe he could do anything. They didn't know he could do anything. But when you turn up in faith, it changes everything. It turns things incredibly around. Why don't you grab your Bibles? We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16 and verses 13 to 21, and especially those online and at Gelstone. It's great to have you tuning in, but I got to say, for those of us that are here in a Gelstone, it's so great when we come together as a church, and I know that some people can't make it and whatever, and so we have that facility to watch online, but I got to say, when you're with the people of God, 
God, something begins to happen. Something begins to move because there's faith produces faith that stirs up the gifts and talents in all of us and causes us to see hear differently to how we have been seeing. So we're in Matthew chapter 16 verses uh, 13 to 21. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Let's just take a pause there for a second. Now, when we read this, we often read it just like, you know, we're reading something. But I got a feeling See, Jesus asked a question. He wasn't having an identity crisis. He wasn't sitting there going, oh my God, I'm not sure who I am. He wasn't sitting there trying to figure himself out. What he was trying to do is to see what they saw and to tune in because I think he saw something happening in Peter. I think he saw something stirring in their lives. I think he saw something that others didn't see. And so he said, who, who do people say that I am? In other words, he really wasn't interested in other people's opinions. He was interested in who do you say he is. Who do you say he is over your life? Who do you see that he is? And I think when Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, I think Jesus almost jumped out of his skin. I think Jesus was like, ah, finally, finally someone gets it. Finally, you know, here he is why, trying to get people to understand who he is and what he was all about. Here he is in the middle of all that and he's been walking with these 12 disciples, in fact, a whole bunch of them beyond that. And all these people haven't got a clue who he is. They look good, they sound good, they smell good, the whatever, well, probably smell bad in the Middle East, but nevertheless, in that time, 2,000 years ago. But here he was, suddenly somebody recognized who he was suddenly someone saw him for who he is and just for a glimpse just for a moment Peter had a revelation and Jesus is almost jumping out of his skin so so often we read the Bible Jesus replied you are blessed Simon son of John I don't think that's how he responded I think he was like ah! blessed you are so blessed I think he just was leaping and jumping. I think Jesus was incredibly excited about this revelation. Why? Because this revelation changes everything. I think Jesus was like, oh my gosh, finally someone gets it. Now we're moving, now we're cooking, now we're gonna see something happen. Now, now, now these people are being grabbed. Now these people are gonna get a revelation and we're gonna go through and we're gonna see the world get totally changed as a result of this revelation. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, uh, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I mean, Jesus is just going crazy with this, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's changing Simon's name. He all of a sudden turns and Simon, you're no longer Simon. You've had a revelation. Simon, you're no longer Simon. Simon, which means read, which means toss to and fro, which means go with the flow, which means you're just weak and wishy-washy. He says, no, 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 you're no longer Simon. You're now Peter. You're Peter the rock. 
You're the rock. And upon this rock, the rock of God's word, the rock of revelation, the rock. Now I'm going to build my church. And isn't it interesting that Jesus now says he's going to build his church on the life transformation of a person that when they have a revelation of who Jesus is. When they had the revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus is like, I can build my church on that. I can do something great on that. I can turn people's lives around. But in the middle of it, Peter had to have a revelation of who Jesus was before he could have a revelation of who he was. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this stuff. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Now, that doesn't tilt your brain. I don't know what does. Like, Jesus is just like, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. He's saying once you get a revelation of kingdom principles and you begin to live as a kingdom person, you begin to have authority, you begin to have power, you begin to speak to situations, you begin to turn things around. You no longer see what's happening in the natural, just only what's happening in the natural. You see through that to the power of God, to the reality of the situation, circumstance of what God can do in the middle of that situation. And I want to tell you, we all need to have that. If you aren't facing trials and situations and circumstances, just keep breathing because it's going to happen. I don't need to be prophetic. I don't need, but all of us, all of us face stuff in our lives that if you just look at the stuff, it'll take you out. But if you look through this stuff because you recognize who he is and then you discover who you are and then, then, then you begin to discover as you see in this passage who we are together. He says, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then, I love this part, I don't get Jesus so much. You ever had a problem with Jesus? I, I don't know about you, but I do. Like I, sometimes he says stuff that just, I've gone, I'm like, what is wrong with you, Jesus? Because you know why? His ways are higher than my ways. It's my mind that needs to be renewed, not his mind. Isn't it funny how we want his mind to be renewed? Oh, no, 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 Jesus. Let's help you out, Jesus. I just need to get you sorted here. You know, you just don't understand. You, you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. He's God. I think he's got a clue. So in the equation, who doesn't know, who, who doesn't know what they're talking about? It's you and I. But that's a little bit humbling, isn't it? To think that maybe... Ever since I've come back to Australia, I've had allergies. I never had allergies until I went to America. I mean, what is wrong with this country of America? I love it because Americans don't understand that. Sarcasm. They just look at you funny. Oh, oh, praise God, brother. Oh, oh, brother. It's good to be home. I can... I can, I can have fun. Anyway, listen to what Jesus said. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone he's the Messiah. Like, isn't that a bit weird? Just had a revelation of who he is. And they said, don't tell anyone. 
From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law, and he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Now, why did he tell them to do that? Because they still didn't get it. He knew that if he start, they started to tell everyone about him at that point, they would get it wrong because they still didn't understand. They didn't understand. Look, look what it says. They, he told them over and over and over again, I'm going to raise, be raised from the dead. I'm going to die and be raised from the dead. Now, if you fast forward and go to the point where he did die, what did the disciples do? Nothing. The women, the real disciples, were the only ones that dared to believe. Isn't that interesting? It was them. And they ran back and they said to the other disciples, the guys, hey guys, Jesus is risen. And they're looking at him like, you women, what would you understand? Isn't that true? But it was the women that understood, but the guys did not. Isn't that crazy? Why? Because they hadn't had a full revelation. They, had, they started understanding who he was, but they didn't understand what had to happen and they didn't understand what needed to take place for their salvation, for their freedom, for their hope and for the world to be transformed as a result of the true revelation of who Jesus is, what he's all about and who we are together. And it's in that, see, he's not saying for you and I to keep quiet any longer because you and I are a people that don't just understand who he is and who we are and who we are together we understand who he truly is and what he truly has done as a result of that to me I think the world and the church has got an identity crisis see uh, I, I moved to America been there for almost 10 years and so I'm an Australian in America and I, I and it's really interesting because I sound different in a country, even though that is now my country, I sound different. I don't sound like an American. And I had to learn how to be American. I had to learn how to speak American. They might speak English, but they speak a different form of English. They have aluminum instead of aluminium. They have bonnets instead of whatever it is we have, hoods. And, you know, and so all of this, I had to learn a different language. Well, you know what happens in the kingdom of God? You have to learn a different language. You have to learn to speak a different language. You have to learn to see a different way. You have to learn how to be who God has called you to be in the place that God has placed you to be. And so many of us as Christians have a revelation maybe of who he is, but it hasn't really began to affect who we are. It hasn't really begun to sink in about what we are meant to be about. And it hasn't truly begun to, to help us understand who we are together as a force as the church as the people of God we need a revelation you see this process that when you understand truly who Jesus is it gives you a revelation of who you are and once you get a revelation of who you are you begin to understand who we are together we meet so many people are like you know I'm a Christian but I don't like the church well that's a crazy statement because you are the church that's a bit like saying I'm a Christian but I don't like myself or we have people who say, I'm a Christian, but I belong to the church universal. Well, that doesn't, make, that doesn't work out in that passage. He goes on and talks about, about having keys, about doing stuff together. He talks about unity. He talks about a group of people connected together on the planet. It's very hard to connect together when you never meet together. 
when you haven't got a clue who they are. And it's only in gathering together and getting to do life together that the real change begins to take place in your heart. Why? Because people will bug you and cause you to have issues and cause you to be offended. And it's in the midst of that that we discover the outworking of the new creation that happens in you and I. See, once you understand who he is, then you begin to understand who you are. And if you can understand who you are, then you begin to understand who we are together as a force on the planet. When you get a revelation of who Jesus is, you know that really causes you to have a crossroad of your life. You've got to start surrendering your own thinking. You've got to start saying, you know what? His ways are different to mine. And, and it's a battle because there's so much force coming at us at times to conform to this world, to think in a certain way. People are, no, that's not very Christian, is it? You know, that to be something different to what Jesus wants us to be. When you have a revelation of who he is, it unlocks the reality of, of who you truly are. You begin to find hope and freedom and life but you've come across road you've never met Jesus you've never asked him into your life maybe you've called yourself a Christian all your life but you've never made a decision for Jesus well that right now you're at a crossroad because when you meet Jesus he causes you to have to stop and reconsider your life and begin to start thinking about his way not your way and begin to surrender because his ways are better than my ways but then as a Christian I've got to stop and keep surrendering because I keep on thinking my ways are better than his ways. I keep on, well, surely you didn't mean that, God. Surely, surely I don't. that passage is just uncomfortable and I don't like that passage of the Bible. I mean, if you're honest, that's, always, that's happened to us all. If, if the Bible isn't upsetting you at times, you're not reading it. If, you've got a, if you have no issue ever with the Bible, then I would suggest you're probably not reading it. Or if you are, you're not really reading it. You're skimming it or something or other. Because the Bible will at times get into your thinking and your head and cause you to struggle and strain at times with stuff. Because his ways are different. He causes us to have to change our attitude because his ways are so much better but we think our ways are the only way <laughs> when you get a revelation of who he is you hit this crossroad then you understand you get your identity sorted the world is trying to find its identity but I think the church needs to find its identity I think you and I need to find out our identity I think we struggle so much in who we are. You know, I say to my American friends, but I'll, I'll say it to you here. When you woke up this morning, you didn't stop and think, I've got to be Australian today. I need to be more Australian. I'm really struggling in my Australianism. See, when I went to America, I, that became a real reality for me. You know, I had to figure out what it is to be an American. But no American wakes up in the morning thinking, I need to do better at being an American. We might think they should, but that's another story. 
I hope this is not going home. But anyway, but you didn't wake up this morning struggling with your Australianism. I really need to be better Australian. I need to talk more Australian or something or other. I need to slur my words more. I need to mumble more. I need to, I, I need, I need to go up at the end of sentences and make everyone confused that you're asking a question. I mean, I need to be more Australian. I just don't seem to have it down pat. No, you either are or you aren't. Isn't that true? So why do you and I as a Christian struggle with the thought of being a Christian? You are, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, if, he, if you've made that prayer, if you've decided that reality, then you are a Christian. You are what the Bible says, a new creation. The problem is there's, a, there's an old way that seeps on coming out every now and then, and you have to keep grabbing a hold of the old one and say, no, it's not really the way I want to live, and keep on correcting that and heading in the right direction. But it's not a full struggle. It's not like, ooh, who's going to win today? No, you are. And so what you've got to do is live out of who you are, not try and be something. So many Christians are trying to be Christians. Stop trying to be a Christian and just live who you are. Am I really a Christian? Am I really am I going to go to heaven? I don't know. You know, I had a wrong thought today. I, I didn't pray. For any, I should have prayed this morning. Oh, God's going to strike me dead or something or other. No one lives life like that. So why do we as Christians live like that? You discover your identity and then we discover our identity. That's why it's so important to come together. When you get a revelation of who Jesus is, you hit a crossroad. When you get a revelation of that reality, it causes you to have a revelation of your identity. Once you get a revelation of who you are, you begin to recognize we have a job to do together. It's not just about you. That's very self-centered. It's actually about us. And the more we actually pour out, I love those stories of helping people. That's what we're all called to do. And it's not just what we're called to do together as a church in this environment, but that actually ought to be a part of who we are because that is who we are. All you have to do is start letting it out. I think if you begin to understand who he is and as you understand who you are, you'll begin to discover who we are together and what that's all about. And if you discover who he is and then who you are and then who we are, you recognize that we have to actually work together. And that's probably the hardest part of being part of, of the church, being part of the people of God. Because to discover who we are and to discover how that works together then we recognize that we need to choose to live in the way that is aligned and as, as in synergy with who we are on the inside. And when you discover that and you begin to do that. Now listen, the word church in the Bible comes from this word ecclesia. I don't know how to say it. I'm too Australian. Some of the Greek scholars will be able to correct me. But, you know, ecclesia, ecclesia, whatever you want to call it. But it truly means what it meant. Paul grabbed this concept. Jesus, sorry, grabbed this concept. And Jesus took a well-known concept. The ecclesia was the called out people of the city who were the important leaders of the city. 
and he said, you are the church. He used this, this concept, you're the called out leaders of the city, meant to come together to have authority in the city, to begin to rule and reign in the city, to bring peace and life within the city, to bring change to the environment and to begin to speak life within that city. And he recognized that and he said that to these 12 disciples who were anything but incredible leaders and Christians at that point. He told that to those people because he said, that's truly who you are. When you work out who I am, you'll work out who you are and you'll stop struggling with it and you'll begin to begin to live like that. So as a church, what does that mean? Here's some thoughts I have with that. I think if we truly understand who he is, who we, uh, who you are, and then who we are, you'll discover that we are meant to be free. We get caught up with so much stuff. You know, we get worried about everything. You know, we get worried the music or we get worried about this or demons everywhere or something. No, we're free people. Jesus has truly made us brand new on the inside. We are changing. We are different on the inside. So we're free from the fear of death. One of the things that I noticed with COVID, when COVID came through, so many Christians were scared of dying. Got news for you. It's inevitable. It's all going to happen to all of us. Now, I don't want it to happen today but I do know this it's not the end of the world so once you get free from the fear of death then you begin to truly live because you live with purpose and you live with focus you live with passion you live you begin to live with you take some risks you get out there and get amongst it you choose to truly live and as Christians that's who we truly are that's what Jesus was saying are you going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven you're going to you're going to speak to things you're going to turn things around you're going to make a difference in this world second thing I see is a community of transformed people you are not who you were. You're not even who you think you are sometimes. You are changed. You are different. So get into agreement with who you are and begin to speak that over your life, speak that over your family. If you're trying to change everyone by telling them where they're going wrong, that's going to be a miserable time. Tell them who they are. When your child does the wrong thing, you don't say, well, that's always, that's what you always do. You're always that, you always mess that up. Mate, you'll get what you speak. So stop speaking that over people's lives, but more importantly, stop speaking that over your own life. If I was to ask you to tell me 10 great things about yourself, most people in this room would struggle to find 10 things. But if I asked you to give me 10 bad things about yourself, you'd be boom, 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 boom. Well, why do you get in agreement with the devil over your life, the accuser of the brethren? Why do you get in agreement with the devil? Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not good. I'm, I'm usually, why do you get in agreement with the devil that's whispering in your ear, you know, you're a waste, you're just, you know, why would you do that? You're just no hope for your future. Why would you get into a, a agreement with him? Find a passage in the Bible where God says, you're useless, what a waste of oxygen. You can only find you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You can only find that you're the head and not the tail. You can only find that you're blessed, favoured. So how about you get in agreement with God over your life? You truly speak life, a community that is full of transformed people. A community, number three, a community that is unified. I love this thought. You can be the, have the most different point of view, and that's what the world has issues with. They're like, well, we know what your Christians are like. No, you've obviously never met us because everyone here has a point of view about everything but we are unified on the purposes of God. 
how we might achieve it, we might disagree on how we might, but we are, we are committed together to see God at work in this community, in our lives, in our families. We're committed in faith to see healing, see life, see purpose happen around the place. We want to see good things happen in the city. We're unified together, but we're not. We're not just carbon copies of one another. This is the most diverse group of people you can hope to have. You look at the Bible, wherever God's people meet, they come from every strata of life, every background, every foot, whatever. They come together and they have passion together for the purposes to God. How exciting is that? Fourth thing I see about this community is it's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They have the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes I think we forget that because we forget who we are. Do you ever meet the Lion King? Do you ever, where our eldest boy is 30 and our youngest is 16, 15. But when our eldest was going through that early, we had to watch the Lion King about 4,000 times. It, it brutally scarred me for life. I don't know, there's a new version of The Lion King someone told me the other day. I'm like, I feel sorry for you. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> Luckily, our second son didn't, didn't have the same passion for The Lion King. But there's a part in The Lion King when Rafiki comes up to the, whatever his name is, Simba or whatever his name is. I can't even think what his name is. The, what is it? Whatever. Anyway, so... And he's trying to figure out, and he just smacks him over the head with this stick. And he says, you don't know who you are. I think that's half the time about us. You don't know that in you is patience. In you is peace. In you is gentleness, kindness, goodness. That doesn't mean we're a walkover. It means that actually there's something within us that comes from another world. Because you're no longer who you were. And sometimes I think we forget when we're in situations and circumstances. Listen, listen, can I just tell you something? Someone once said to me, God never gives you more than you can handle. That's a lie. <laughs> just be upfront. The gospel is simply this. It's good news because life will always give you more than you can handle. But God comes in to turn it around, to bring the miraculous, to find a way where there is no way, to bring hope, joy, peace, patience. But if you're just seeing it like, oh, well, God will never, this is just going to be, we're going to become a Christian and we're going to sail off into the sunset and we're going to have a wonderful life. Yes, we will have a wonderful life, but it's a wonderful life because we see the challenges and we find a way through. We speak to our circumstances. We speak to our future and we're not held back by what everybody is held back for. Why? Because we have a power within us. Our time is almost up. There's lots more we could talk about, but I'll just finish up on this thought. A community that supports one another. You know, to forgive someone, actually 99% of the time requires a miracle. And it's not truly until you are offended by somebody that you discover who you really are in that sense, about what Jesus has done in your life. And you have a choice. And the choice is simply this. Do I live out of who I am in Jesus? 
or do I live out of who I was? And living out of who you were wasn't fun back then and didn't produce the fruit back then. So why do we revert back to who we were instead of who we are? So I have to choose to forgive. You say, but Mark, you don't understand what's gone on in my life. No, I don't. But I do know this, that if you hold on to it, it'll destroy you. So we're a community of people that comes alongside to support one another. Because truly by myself, I need you to help me through. I really need you and you need people around you that will pray for you, that will stand with you. Can you imagine what would happen if the church understood who he was and then who they were as individuals and then who they were together? And they began to see the need to pray for one another, to begin to stand with one another, to send texts of encouragement to one another, to ring one another up. There's a young guy that I, I, you know, I've been praying for and I realised that, I thought, what can can I do to to reach out to where he's at? And I realised, we can do a Bible study together and we can talk by text backwards and forwards. We can talk even on the phone, you know, there is that thing, it's hard to believe. Most people don't understand, they think phones are just for text. But you can literally talk to people no matter where they are in the world. And so I created a group gathering with a bunch of people who are just doing different things across the world right now. Well, we do Bible study together. We support one another. When we started having issues with our youngest son, (laughs) this might shock you, I forgot I'm part of a church. And I, you know, tried to make it through and tried to pray. But I realised I can't do it on my own. So I found 10 people and I asked them to stand with us in prayer every day. 10 people who I knew would pray. And those people have stood with us and prayed with us and been a great strength for us. Why? Because we're the church. If we would understand what it really means to be the church, a full community that truly does support one another, that reaches out to one another, that speaks life into one another, that stands with one another, that calls one another into account for various attitudes or whatever in the right way. Could you imagine what that would be? I just sense that's this place. Because you have a revelation of who Jesus is and who you are and then who we are. And that's what Jesus was talking about. The kingdom of God has come. Heaven and earth has collided. This is the gateway of heaven. This is where God's purpose begins to outwork. And we meet together and then we go out those doors and we work life together, but then we touch the world out there, our families, our friends, our workplaces. That's how the world can be transformed. God works with the one on the inside that touches some other one that together we make a difference. Father, I thank you that, Lord, you want us to have a revelation this morning. 
we understand who you are. You're the almighty, the all-powerful, the all-wonderful. That part's easy in one sense. But Lord, let it be that we have a revelation now of who we are and begin to speak your word and your purpose over our life. But let us not stop with just speaking over our lives individually. But let us speak over one another. Let us bring life and joy and encouragement and peace into one another's lives. Let us bring hope. Let us bring healing. Let us bring your power into situation and circumstance. Father, this morning, let healing begin where there needs to be healing. Lord, let the light go on where it needs to go on. Lord, we're just so thankful. Just so thankful. So thankful. Look at me, church. My time is gone. But I want to pray for a couple of groups of people. First group of people I want to pray for is those that are going through stuff. So often when we go through stuff, we want to hide it. Now, if you're always going through stuff, maybe you ought to figure out why. But life sometimes brings stuff. And we as Christians, often we put up the front instead of being real with one another. And there's balance in all of that, don't get me wrong. But let's choose to dare to believe, to find people we can stand with. There are people in this room that want to stand with you. There are people around you that want to believe God with you. There are people around you that want to hold your hands up and speak life into your situation and circumstance. It's not just about the community out there. It's about the community in here. And we are mindful that every person in here has a role to play in bringing hope and life into other people around this great community, this great fellowship. And I want to pray for people this morning. I'm not even going to ask you to raise hands or anything else, but I just want to pray for you. But I, I want to pray that you would have the courage to find people to stand with you, to find people that will believe God with you in whatever you're facing. Father, Lord, I speak courage into people that the walls would come down, that vulnerability would be our portion, that we would choose to find people that would stand in the gap with us, that would bring hope, healing, freedom and release through the power of the Holy Spirit into our reality, in our circumstance. Lord, I pray for people this morning that may be facing unbelievable obstacles and difficulties and all sorts of things. Lord, this morning, let it be that, Father, we stop putting on the front. Lord, we have the right confession and we have the right understanding, but, Lord, that we also are real and we are believing God for breakthrough and we see through eyes of heaven in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Last thing. For those here this morning who've never made a decision for Jesus, or maybe you had, but you're backslidden. You just let your heart grow cold. I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. We're all going to pray a prayer in just a minute. And then I'm going to pray for you over your life. But we're going to pray a prayer asking Jesus to forgive us of our sin and to come into our life and to turn, make us brand new on the inside. That's what a Christian's all about. It's not being perfect. 
It's just actually having His power at work within us to become brand new on the inside, to have a fresh start. So let's, let's all pray this prayer. I'll, re- I'll say it, you repeat it. So, dear Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong. And I ask you, Jesus, to make me brand new and to give me a fresh start. And I thank you, Jesus, that you hear my prayer and that from this moment on, I am a Christian. I have a new beginning and I will live for you all the days of my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Can we just bow our heads, keep our heads bowed and even online, there's a way online to just let us know about that or even our other location. But if you this morning made that prayer and that was something that you were real about this morning, I wonder whether you give me a little wave or no one's looking around so I know who I'm praying for so I can pray with you right where you're at. Right where you're at from anywhere in this particular room, online or in our other locations. But if that's you this morning, just give me a little wave so I can see you. So I, I know who I'm praying for. As I know people, people are making decisions here this morning in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Father, you know every person that made that decision. And I ask you to Jesus to be real in their situation and circumstance, to cause others to come around them and to give them hope and encouragement to step into all that you have for them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for letting me come and share. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.